0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Wait, are you
0: gaming? On a Chromebook?
1: Yep. Yeah, it's got a high res 120 hertz display,
2: plus this killer RGB keyboard, and I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah. I want you to stop playing and get out of here, so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Go ahead, it down Discover low. the ultimate cloud gaming machine—a new kind of Chromebook.
1: Look, my boys have gotten beat. What? Dreisaitl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dreisaitl. Oh, fuck off.
2: <laughs> Hey, everybody, this is Allison Lucan, and we are back with another Fast and Furious episode of Too Many Men. As always, I am joined by one of the most well-thought persons in terms of taking care of herself and really holding everyone accountable, and there is an undervalued importance in that, and that is the Athletics' Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you?
0: Well, I think I fixed my microphone, folks. We've been having this issue, so thanks, Allison, for the suggestions. We'll see if it works, but I am really fucking sick and tired of logging on to Twitter and seeing our politicians tweet instead of reform gun control, so I'll say that.
2: Coming in hot. I love it, and I agree. Uh, Of course, we would not be too many men without the person who knows so much about sports and doesn't just know it, but is passionate about it, lives it and brings it to life with spirit and joy and moving pictures. And that is <laughs> Shayna Goldman of The Athletic. Shayna say hi.
1: Hi.
2: Hello. Well, my friends, <laughs> as we've talked about, uh, the, the playoffs are going fast and furious and we're gonna be coming at you on a regular basis, updating you on what's happening in these games. But as the games dwindle, we have a little bit more time to also talk about some news and notes from around the league. And we thought that we would start. There's, of course, as always happens this time of year, there's changes that happen with bench bosses. And if you don't know about where to find coaching information, real quick, Shana, give a little hype pep too. I know you're in the process of updating it, but there's a site that you and Mike Murphy run. Tell us about that. Tell us why it's such an excellent resource for the hockey community.
1: You're good. Tell you, you are good um it's uh, behindthebenches.com, behind the and you can find things like coaching history so for every head coach that gets hired you can click and it'll show you their full resume it gives you a breakdown of a timeline for every team's coaching staff and what positions they run so the assistant coaches what their roles are and you can give a season by
2: season look as well fantastic well shayda's going to have some even some more updating to do because we've got some empty some more chairs emptying and Sarah the first piece of news we got and this is um, from last week is that Rick bonus is stepping down from behind Dallas I think poor Dallas was a little bit of a punching bag for a lot of us because we never really knew what this team was all about last year what's your take on bonus stepping down do you think this helps Dallas do you think it opens opportunity for Dallas what's going on there from your perspective
0: my take is that I feel like a lot of coaches are taking the initiative to step down recently. I don't know what that's about. Maybe another opportunity is on deck for Rick. Um, I like him. I, I don't really think he's the problem there, but I do think a little jolt could help the team. But I don't know. I feel like – I don't know. The ship has sailed on this core for me. What do you – I don't know if I want to say go that far, but Shayna, I I feel like you have some good takes on Dallas.
1: What do you think? I feel like Dallas is a team that they thrive off boring hockey, and I think that they have more skill in their lineup than to play that style. You know, you have a core that includes Jason Robertson, Joe Pavelski, and Rupe Hintz. They're the only forwards that do anything, and Miro Heiskanen. So, yeah, I want to see someone, like, bring some new ideas to help those players thrive and also bring more offense to three more lines and two more defense pairs. Like, I feel like Dallas has an opportunity to go in a new direction now that I'm hoping that they take because, I mean, I'm selfish. I care about the playing styles I like. But, um, no, I I think that Bonus is a little bit outdated. I kind of look at when he was an assistant in Tampa and their defense didn't do much for me. And then after he left, you kind of saw him take a little bit more proactive of an approach. So I'm wondering if the same happens here
2: outstanding. Well, it will be interesting to see because as Sarah pointed out, that roster is probably going to change for a variety of reasons. Um, It seemed like they were a little bit of a a lark to me in terms of (laughs) their postseason at all, but here we are. Um, Another coach that has been rumored to be wanting behind the bench all season and may actually now be seeing it um, is it has been reported that John Tortorella may be interviewing with the Flyers, of the Philadelphias moving around the Metro as he may be wants to do. He's been behind the Rangers bench. He's been behind the Blue Jackets bench. And now to go to the Flyers. This is fascinating to me. I don't necessarily hate it. Um, This could be the kind of coach that this team needs. It would be the kind of coach that in my opinion would match beautifully uh, with that media market much to the delight of many of us. Um, But Shayna, you have also watched Torts. Um, We've all watched him um, in the Metro. Your take on the validity of Torts in Philadelphia, do you think it's a good match?
1: I think Torts, and coming from someone who watched him closely with the Rangers when he was as old school as it got, I think that he has a bad rep for being old school because I think he's like... Uh, He's an old school coach with a couple tweaks to his strategy that he's learned over the years. And I find that really interesting because, I mean, someone here wrote this lovely article about how he changed his approach and thinking when he went to Columbus and, you know, started caring about scoring chances, not just goals and things like that. So I think that's important that he took a step back and looked at how he was coaching and changed that. But for me, I also love this because it's John Tortorella taking over and Elaine Vigneault coach. And if you remember, when the Rangers fired Vigneault, a lot of the players talked about, you know, their practice schedules under him and how maybe they didn't give it their all all the time and things like that. So it's interesting for Torts, who is the complete opposite, to come in and clean that up. And I think that he's a fit for the job in that respect because an Elaine Vigneault system ruins goalies and shreds, you know, defense. So I, I think it's interesting and I think it's easy to look at them and go, they're sticking with the old school because Vigneault was a coach who is who he is and has never adapted despite what the Flyers tried to put out there and Torts gets the reputation but I don't think is that way so I want to see him keep pushing it forward and I just think this could be a really interesting fit.
0: Allison can you you know Torts well can you tell us something about him that we might not know?
2: You know I think it's interesting and Shane as you were talking about practice like this is a man who actually doesn't support practice for practice sake. Um, he was one of the first coaches in this recent history to stop holding morning skates. He was like, this is stupid. Why are we coming in putting on gear just to get sweaty and you have to come back in 12 less than 12 hours later and put it all on again, this is dumb. Um, it so is. it is very much so. Um, so he, you know, he is he is very willing to do things differently. You know, he and Mike Sullivan, As Shayna said, we're two of the first coaches to really start talking about the concept of scoring chances, not just shot volume. Um, And he's very open to hearing new ideas. Um, It was funny, a friend of the show, hopefully even more so officially soon, Jeff Merrick was talking a while back about how teams are finally starting to shoot for empty nets. Um, And John Tortorella was doing this back in 2019, based on the advice of his analytics team in Columbus. So he's very open to new ideas. And I think that's interesting. As Shayna said, I think it's an evolution of what he is. Um, And I always go back to that when John Tortorella came to Columbus, Aaron Portsline uh, with The Athletic now, but who has covered the Blue Jackets since their inception, did a story where he tried to find a former player to talk shit about Torts because of their reputation. And honestly, it's very, very difficult. um, Because even if guys don't like the process in the moment, it's really hard to find a guy who doesn't appreciate what he's all about and the fact that he is honest and you always know where you stand with him and you always know what he thinks. Um, so there's, there's a little bit more behind, and he has changed, very true, but there's a little bit more behind the curtain than what people might think.
0: And I think he has changed. I think that's great. I love when people can change and open their minds to new ideas, so I think that's actually key.
1: Yeah, and I think one of those new ideas you mentioned, you know, scoring chances, he embraced the idea of having rovers with Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. I can tell you from the New York days, that never fucking would have happened. It was shot blocking, defense first, you could think of the days of Dan Girardi, throwing his body in front of everything, Ryan McDonough, Mark Stahl, that's the defense he built in New York. That was completely different in Columbus, and he you know, obviously it was Brad Shaw who built the penalty kill, but I don't think Brad Shaw was doing that if Torts didn't agree with it either. So I think that, I mean, the power kill, but you know, that's something important too. There's so many different things he did and it's very easy to look at the one quote and go, he must be still an asshole. And I'm sure to an extent he is an asshole as a coach, but most coaches are, but it seems like, you know, maybe people aren't willing to give him that chance to, to actually like pull back the curtain and see. And, Maybe it was because he was in Columbus and people didn't want to pay attention, even though there was really good content coming out of Columbus on him that could have taught you this.
2: The other thing I'm interested to watch, and this might be unheralded because, you know, it was maybe nestled in the Columbus uh, market, is I would really love Torch to be back in the Metro because he and Mike Sullivan, who are dear, 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 dear friends, go at each other. I mean, they have screamed at each other on the benches when Sullivan has rolled out his first power play when they already had an established win late in the game. Like, those two back in in the same division is a delightful gift for us all.
0: It's Boston kids. I get it. I love it. It's like a different (laughs) type of asshole, a sincere (laughs) asshole who's going to yell at you to your face and not behind your back.
2: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Anyway, we have the too-many-men stamp of approval on that one.
1: And I think that says something, right? Because, yeah. you know, we would be the first to talk about coaches that shouldn't be back in the mix for, you know, a million reasons. And it's like, no, we're, we're actually saying this is, a, this is a good fit. This is someone to get back out there. And if everybody likes how Mike Sullivan has evolved, you should be looking at the coach he evolved alongside because they were together first.
2: For sure. And, you know, one thing, Sarah, you did earlier when we were talking about coaching changes is you talked about let's throw out names of people who haven't been NHL coaches. And so, uh, listeners, we want to hear from you. Let us know on social. Let us know in the comments who should be in the conversation for a head coaching job who has not already been an NHL head coach. Let's shake up this narrative. Uh, So keep watching. I'm sure there's going to be more changes behind the benches. Vancouver did have some changes in terms of their assistants. Um, but right now, they obviously are keeping the head coach and uh, Bradshaw and Ian Clark, the goaltending coach, are also being retained. So look for some some secondary level changes there behind that bench. Moving on, a team that was eliminated also generated some news. Uh, Mark Giordano signs with the Toronto Maple Leafs for two years at, I believe it's 800,000 a year. Just under a million reports have him agreeing to take less... Um, then expected to stay with a team that he thinks is a contender. Uh, Mark Giordano is obviously a, a fantastic player, but later in his career, and rightly so, is, is pursuing a championship. Sarah, do you like this signing? Were you surprised by it? Your take on Gio staying as a Leaf?
0: My sweet summer child. Taking a pay cut to stay with the Leafs is like a kinky thing. I don't. I don't know. I just... As much as I do like the team and I do think they need to stay the course and they will eventually get to the second round, I would not take a pay cut to hedge my bets on that one.
2: They will Dare to dream, eventually you'll get to the second yeah. round, my sweet yeah. child. Yeah,
0: no, literally, that's, that's actually the standard.
2: <laughs> Shayna, do you like the signing? Yes. I think he was a really good
1: fit there. He was really good on their third pair and he brought stability you know he is more defensive at this point in his career but he's not too one-dimensional like you know him alongside you know a puck moving partner can work out and I think he was really good I think he added a lot more to that blue line that they needed and that's that's the kind of move to stay the course would I have taken a pay cut to do it I mean probably not just for the headache alone that is Toronto as as fun as he might have had there like as much fun as he might have had there would I have done that probably not but like good for you good for you i hope it works out
2: well and we must stay with toronto because again even if toronto can't get to the second round they can sustain us with just very toronto specific content (laughs) um and this is a shout out to our friend spencer fachetta uh at puck nerd hockey on twitter who made sure we saw that the curse of drake continues, apparently, and and I'm not an F1 person. So if one of you are, you can expand here. But uh, Drake placed his first this is from earlier uh, this week, Drake placed his first F1 bet he bet $230,000 on Charles Leclerc Leclerc engines failed and he lost the championship lead. (laughs) Drake (laughs) cannot pick a winner. Sarah, the Drake curse is real true or false
0: true he's got to go or he's got to be a little quiet about it but honestly i i like watching this happen i don't i like drake but at the same time it's just a hilarious thing that has been happening for a a decade now
2: shayna any thoughts on on the drake
1: curse i love it i just love it if i was an athlete and drake was on my side i'd kick him the fuck off like please (laughs) please don't bet on me please don't like me please don't acknowledge me I'm better without you. Uh, maybe, I, that's,
0: maybe that's why Austin Matthews was saying goodnight. <laughs> Night. Please leave me alone.
1: Please go away. No, I, what I want to know is I wish if I was his money manager and I saw him placing a bet or knew he was placing a bet, I would do everything in my power to find out what the bet was, and bet against it. I think it's crazy the amount of money that he's betting. I know he has it, but I'm just like, I see those numbers and I'm like, <gasps> so if I was, I, I would be like, I will throw $1,000, and I would be very comf- comfortable if I was his manager being like, throwing that much money down, which I feel like it's a lot for betting. Everyone's going to be like, no, it's not. Being like, oh, you, you put 250 down? I'm putting $1,000 down, opposite <laughs> of you, and see how it works out for me, and then build from there so then you too could start spending two hundred fifty k on a bet.
0: Welcome to our financial podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's one more. That's enough for the Leafs. I'm sure they'll continue to provide us glorious content um, in the offseason as well. Um, there is one more off signing. And this one I think is interesting because this is this was a pending free agent um, that was starting to gain a lot of traction, at least from what I was seeing in terms of being an attractive candidate to add to a roster. Um, looking really good from an underlying numbers perspective and obviously hitting that point in his career where a big payday might have been expected or pursued. And that is Brian Rust. Brian Rust elects to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, Some have suggested maybe he took a little less, but again, we are in a different cap space than we've been in previous years. Shayna, do you like the signing? Do you like the player? And who got the better side of this value equation?
1: I like the player. I think he's very good. He's been a great fit in Pittsburgh, and he's really emerged there. I, I don't hate the signing at all. I mean, for, for it's, I think for Pittsburgh, they have so many pending free agents that anybody that they can keep, they have all the space in the world and have to figure out what they want to do. And, you know, Crosby is still there, so if you want to keep surrounding him by skill, you absolutely should. This is a team that, you know, at a certain point it's going to be like, they really need to restock the decks. But if you have Crosby and he's playing at this level – you have to keep going for it, you know? And I think rest is a key part of it. Um, I, I think the deal's fine for both sides. Maybe he could he probably could have pushed for more, you know, had he gone to unrestricted free agency But I understand, you know, keeping it team friendly. Again, you're in, a, you're in, what better position could he be in than, you know, playing with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel? I cannot see many better positions to be in. So, you know, I get, I understand, you know, taking a deal to make it work for. All, all sides but I'm really curious what they do from here because obviously we're going to hear a lot about like Malkin, Latang, and if they don't stick then they have all the cap space in the world to do some damage so I really
2: want to see what they do. Sarah.
0: You nailed it there. Nothing else to add and I completely agree.
2: <laughs> Hashtag cosine. <laughs> all right well that's some of our bit o news sarah's favorite segment if you'd like to sponsor it please do so so sarah has to say it more um let's move on to our round two vibe check two games last night now this is one things are going to get to start to get interesting because series are going to end and so it's not just about how the series are going but it's about what teams are able to get rest while other series kind of linger on and the series that looks like it might go the longest. At least right now, I mean, this is a series where we know there have to be at least two more games. We don't know that for any of the other remaining series. And that is the battle of too many men, my friends. It is Rangers Carolina. Sarah's saying a self-little prayer to herself in this moment. After going up 2-0 in commanding form, Carolina at home, they cannot win on the road. It's now 2-2 Rangers Carolina. Sarah, you are obviously there in New York. You've been covering this team up close all season. What are you seeing? Can you explain this phenomenon and what does Carolina need to do now?
0: It's like, you don't want to get too wrapped up in the narrative of things like this because sometimes it's just how it shakes out. I do think at this point, it might be in their heads a little bit just because they've lost five consecutive games on the road and it's it's like, no matter how they lost them, it, it, the fact is that that's the situation and they're going to have to play a lot more games than their next opponent if they make it to the next round. But I don't think you can keep do like, you can't keep doing this. You can't – you're going to get tired. People are going to get hurt. And even – I was exhausted after game three, just the amount. Like, they had a good game, though. Like, I'm not going to say they're playing poorly. I think they played poorly in this the last game, game four. I think they need to do something on the power play, and I think when the Rangers were talking, you got Ryan Reeves saying he's going to run people. I think the Canes let that get to them because then they're the ones coming out and trying to fight and taking an instigator penalty. And I love Stevie Lorenz, and he is one of the sweetest... He's never fought in the NHL before, and then he just... He saw Domi on the ground, and he heard Reeves's comments, and he probably thought, oh, this was intentional danger... Like, whatever. He saw the guy... I talked to him after the game, and he said, well, I saw the guy on the ground. Now it looks like he had been falling, but, like, when it's in the heat of the moment, you don't see that. You just see a big guy and a small guy on the ground. So I went over there and did what I thought he'd do for me. And... When you put it like that, I understand, but you can't, Igor Shister, Shisterkin has been really good, the pa- I mean, always, but especially the past two games at home. And I mean, I don't think you can give other, par- like that's the one thing you have to deal with. You can't focus on anything else and you can't let the rest of your game get away from you. You have to be sharp on everything else and then just keep peppering Igor.
2: Sarah, you mentioned special teams, and I know other people are pointing to that as an issue as well for Carolina. Is special teams the main point of concern for you tactically? Does Rod Brindamore need to bring out a new tie? What needs to happen here (laughs) to help Carolina reverse the tide of their play?
0: I think they need to get out of their own heads on the power play because it's like they they play scared on the power play. It looks like they're trying to avoid getting a point shot taken and then letting the other team run with it. And it's like, you just got to take these shots. You, but you also, at the same time, don't have to take lazy shots. Like, you ha- it just feels like, I don't know. I liked Martin Natchez's game yesterday, and I have not liked it for a while. And he rung one off the post. And there was another post from Aho on the power play. It's like, when I actually think about it, I think the problem is they aren't scoring I, but it is so inconsistent, like with the if they show up or they don't i don't like the second unit um and this first unit and the second unit get the same amount of time, so I'm just like, maybe give the first unit few more seconds to work some magic
2: and last one for you, Sarah, before we switch to the other side of the ice on this one, do you have an update on Freddie?
0: <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> getting mad at me, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it also just. Help our listeners know where, where what we do know about the goaltending situation right now for Carolina. Okay.
0: Anderson has started practicing. Um, he started practicing the day before game four, and then he was in net on the not starters net um, for a morning skate. And – I asked Rod if he's available, and he said, nope, and I'll let you know when he is. And I'm like, okay, well, is it Ranta's net to lose when he is available? And he's like, I'll let you know. So we're not getting any answers because this injury, uh, like a knee injury on a goalie is so fickle that I think they're very much avoiding trying to say he's going to come back and then he has another setback. And Freddie Anderson is somebody that needs to be 700% well or he's not going to play but luckily that luckily i don't know but it just goaltending hasn't been the issue for the canes they need to score a goal so
2: Shayna, on the other side of this battle come the new york rangers a team that you know well and have covered for quite some time igor is obviously the easy answer to what's working for new york but you have talked throughout this postseason throughout this regular season about wanting to see some changes in the lines to optimize who's going who's not going New York had a really strong start in game four here yesterday, and then they just kind of buckled it down. Other than Igor, we know how good he is. Other than Igor, what's working for the Rangers, and are there other things that you still want to see them do better? So
1: I think what's working for the Rangers, and especially like what worked in game four, was the Rangers were able to come out to a lead. So no matter what, Carolina was going to have to score three goals, you know, when it was 3 1 to tie the game or 4 1. You have to score now five goals to beat Chesterkin. Do I see that happening in a game? No. So if they can get him that support, that's, that's the difference maker, that it's not him holding them in a one nothing game. Um, they're, they're staying closer at 5-on-5 five five than I think any of us could have anticipated. You know, the Hurricanes are one of the best 5-on-5 five five teams. It's not just about shot quantity. It's about shot quality. The Rangers, on the other hand are not (laughs) and definitely not in the playoffs like every defensive improvement that they made at the end of the regular season went to shit in round one and now we see that structure like actually holding up I think more so between the first two pairs the third pair has struggled a bit with uh, Braun and Schneider but I think we've seen in a handful of games where even if they allow more shots they're keeping them to the outside I think last night was a great example with like Adam Fox and Ryan Lingren on the ice I think shot attempts were 16 to 7, uh, 16, 17 with Fox on the ice in Carolina's favor but the expected goal differential was huge because there are only you know three quality shots against, let's say you know near that net front area. Well the Rangers are getting to the quality area, something that they've struggled with as well. So there have been some games in the series you don't see them generate their own quality chances either, and they actually did last night. So I think that's super important for them to be successful in the series is keeping that up. and even if they're not going to outshoot the canes, it's mitigating the damage of the shots that Carolina puts on and trying to find ways to exploit their very good defense.
0: Lindgren was so good last night. I was like, Holy shit. My opinion on him changed in one day.
1: (laughs) He's, he's an interesting one because like when he first came to the Rangers, He was very one-dimensional, and he was very set in that. I think there was a quote that came out. He was like, I'm an old-school defenseman. That's my game, and I'm going to make it work. And it was like, sorry, you have to learn to adapt. And he spent a year in the minors and then did adapt. I think he got a skating coach and everything, too. So, And obviously, playing alongside Adam Fox, it's not like... I think we saw in round one, like, Justin Braun skated alongside Adam Fox, and Patrick Nemeth, you know, has taken shifts there, too. It's not that Adam Fox can literally make a replacement-level defenseman effective. Like... Lingren is a legitimately good defensive defenseman, and Fox only elevates that. The, the pair work so well together, and having them back gives the Rangers so many more options because they have two pairs that they can lean on instead of one pair they could lean on, which in round one was Miller and Truba, and the
2: rest is just chaos. Predictions for game five. Sarah, they go back to Carolina. What do you think happens?
0: Well, I'm not going to... I think the Canes are going to win. Like I just, every time I try to predict something that is not them winning or losing at home or on the road, I'm wrong. So I'm just going to stick with what their plan apparently is.
1: Shayna? Canes win five because they only win at home every single game the series. All four games you know, in round one and two games in round two have been on home ice. So let's give them that, see what happens if the Rangers come back in six again and then I have no idea what the fuck would happen for seven.
2: Yeah. What do you think?
0: I think, uh, oh, Allison, you. <laughs> I'm, just here, I'm, <laughs> yeah, just here I'm just here for the vibes. I'm just
2: here for the vibes. <laughs> just here for the vibes. Go, Sarah.
0: No, I want to know what you think as like an objective yeah. source
2: so this is me being a little bit more narrative than I usually am, but I like, it's very strange to me that Carolina cannot win on the road. And that to me speaks to some consistency in your underlying game. And I think Carolina is the better team. I think Carolina will win this game, but they need to win it in dominating fashion and they must win game six. They just must. Yes,
0: absolutely. Right. Because I do think, I haven't seen the Canes dominate. Like, these have all been very, very close games, and that wasn't necessarily supposed to be the case. I mean, we know Igor was going to – Igor eventually, but I think the Hurricanes' best players need to show up. They just really aren't, and that's yeah, problem. Yeah, they,
1: they have another level, and I just don't think we've seen that. And that's not even to like, the Rangers – playing the way they have definitely comes into into play here it's not just the canes are sucking and that's it the rangers are doing well in this series but i think even with the way the rangers are playing carolina has another gear we haven't seen yeah
2: well let's move on there's another series that uh, this series y'all I, do, I don't i don't know what to make of it i don't know that i like it <laughs> it is the battle of alberta um, and it's interesting, uh, this is one where I was like, yeah, whatever, I mean, the most exciting thing to come out of this so far was Yahoo Yeehaw for us. Um, and then I swear the goalies have like shape shifted and changed personalities <laughs> or something, like they're dressing up in each other's outfit. Um, I've been shocked by what's going on with Markstrom I've been shocked by what Mike Smith has been able to do although he came back last night. Oh my for, god, for did an he amazing. I yelled. Amazing... I
1: actually yelled when I saw that. I was like, "Oh my god, someone comes running through." And be like, "What?" I'm like, "Look at that." Like, I lost it.
2: <clears throat> but Calgary's deployment seems scattered <clears throat> to me. Kristanov comes back, doesn't look great. They went 11 and 7 in game 4. Uh, and long story short, McDavid and Evander Kane are being big big difference makers in this series. I know Um, but (laughs) we end up, even though Calgary is able to come back and tie the game late last night, they are going to head back to Calgary with a one three series deficit. Edmonton can close this out with one more win. My goodness gracious, Brady Kachuk, we need your magic now more than ever. Shayna talk first, talk us through the play that we're, that we're talking about here with Mike Smith last night and just give a, then give us your impressions on the series. Is it what you, let's start broad. Is it what you expected after you talk about Mike Smith?
1: No. Oh, okay. First, okay, Mike Smith. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Mike Smith, I have made that known. I don't trust him because I think even when he plays really well, I do think that he, there's, I like puck movement, puck moving goalies, but he's so risky with some of the plays that it's like, you don't need to go for that. And in this series, his ability to move the puck has actually helped the Oilers break out, and that's a great advantage to have. That was something, if you look last year at Marc Andre Fleury in the uh round one series against the wild, that was one of the biggest things he was able to start the breakouts, and it just put the Golden Knights on transit you know, in their transition game that they thrive off of. So for the Oilers, they have the skaters, especially at their top of their lineup, to play that style. That if Mike Smith can start it, I think that's encouraging because we all know they don't have the perfect puck moving defense. Like there are some bright spots, like Evan Bouchard, and, you know, we know Nurse can play that way, and Brett Kulak was a good addition for those reasons, too, but it's not a perfect blue line, so that does help, but it can bite them, and, like, it can at any point this series. Overall, um, I'm a bit disappointed in this series, because I think game one we saw, like, the chaos it could be, and I didn't expect that moving forward, like, I figured we saw more defense and more goaltending. I have a, a huge running theory right now, is that the Flames would be better if Brady Kachuk was getting white girl wasted, and I know he grabs a lot of attention that way, but Matthew Kachuk had a hat trick the game that he did that, and we haven't seen much of Brady the last three games, who did get a deal with Budweiser Canada, and now we're barely seeing him, and I understand it to an extent, you know, there's a game to focus on, but he was a bright spot in it, and I think that he needs to go all out for game five, or the series is over. Um, that he doesn't
2: want to go to Edmonton.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Um, Markstrom, though, that's that's the red flag for me. Uh, he was outstanding in the regular season, and he has fallen below expectations. Even in the game he won, he was pretty terrible. I I, I have questions, like, is the fact that he played, what was it like, 80% of the starts for the Flames weighing on his game now? Was it too much and now he's burnt? Or do the, Flames, the Oilers just know how to beat him? Like, I really don't know, but... You're seeing the top of the Oilers lineup, which is stacked right now, thrive, and the Flames don't have an answer for it.
2: I would like to point out, Chena gave us her entire analysis and did not explain the Mike Smith play from yesterday. Yes, it
1: did. Oh, explain the specific play. I thought you meant his game overall. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, (laughs) Anderson, Rasmus Anderson, (laughs) was just clearing the puck on the penalty kill from his own zone, and... I, it, they said it got lost in the crowd and on the replays, like it was tough to spot. But here it was, Mike Smith allowed a goal, and that tied the game three-three. And moments before that, Markstrom made a huge save on Drysaitl to keep that a three-two game. It could have been four-two there so easily. Like, look, Drysaitl gotten beat. What?
2: Drysaitl. <laughs> yeah,
1: Drysaitl. <laughs>
0: oh, fuck off. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to say chaos. It, it is chaos. Um, and Mike Smith was quoted after the game saying, "I can laugh now. I don't think there has been a time in my career where I lost a puck and had no idea where it went. My brother in Christ, we're watching your career too. I think there's been a few times.
2: <laughs> I, did you see on Evolving Hockey? It literally had an that shot had an expected goal value of like." Point zero zero three four. It's like one of the like <laughs> seven lowest shots in like the modern hockey era going all the way back to oh seven, oh eight. It's amazing. Oh my God. That's
1: it's wild. I feel like it has to be tough when a puck's cleared like that, you don't expect it. Yeah. But like it is a three it is a one goal game and the flames are pressuring. I Imagine know. they lost. Imagine they lost after that. That would have been the most Mike Smith thing to happen and also which game which goal was worse the one markstrom allowed to open oh. the game which was as mike smith as it got or the, the goal mike smith actually allowed what's worse uh, mike what
0: smith i'm saying is <laughs> getting out mike smith
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, but i mean the goaltending thing is mind-blowing but sarah the flames came into this playoffs some people were are were saying they were even better than colorado that they were the cup favorite that they were on this role that they were a powerhouse are you surprised because the Flames did not dominate that series against Dallas either? Are you surprised that this is the playoff version of Calgary that we're seeing?
0: I'm not I'm not shocked. I think every year legally we have to over exaggerate the importance of a Canadian team. So that all the Canadian reporters can be happy and think we're whatever it is. But they like, I'm getting like offended at how much they're hyping up the Flames. I think the Flames are really good, but I, I do think like they had their struggles. They had scoring woes, didn't they? They like struggled to score a lot during the regular season and went on a tear eventually. But I think, I don't know. I was also hyping up the Flames. I'm kind of talking to myself. I think. <laughs> The Oilers are just finally stepping up to the team that they can. We always knew they could be. Drysaitel, Drysaitel, just <laughs> broke um, postseason history for what is it? Four consecutive three-point games, like. And McDavid
1: too, like his point totals. At, what is he up to now? Twenty-five points, is it or something? It's like insane. that's. I'm that's, proud of yeah. him.
0: I knew he could do it. I was pushing him. I was being bad cop. <laughs>
1: I'm so curious, though, let's say if Edmonton does move on and they presumably get Colorado, and we'll find that out possibly tonight or Friday. Like do you keep Drycidal and McDavid together because it's obviously working right now this series. We know Drycidal's not a hundred percent, and having him with McDavid helps. You have two threats on one line. But again, and we know the Flames offense isn't going against Colorado. Can can you afford to do that, or do you need to have two scoring lines? Like, can you afford to keep them stacked and hope for the best and load up your top line? Like, what's the better strategy then?
2: Apparently, it's to play against Markstrom in goal. I don't know, but <laughs>
0: literally, sometimes it just be like that. But I, I would keep them together until they lose, and then put them apart. That would I mean, be my coaching strategy.
2: I mean, that's the thing. They now have the cushion. They need one more win, and everyone talks about how the fourth win is the hardest, but. I did not expect Edmonton to be in the driver's seat in the series by any means. Um, the
0: fourth win is the hardest, <laughs> baby, <laughs> I know.
2: So, all right, so here we are. We talked about our Battle of Too Many Men, the Battle of Alberta. Listen, Calgary, we need you to do something. We need more yee yahoo debate in our life. But Sarah what happens in game five they're headed back to Calgary what happens in this game by in your opinion
0: as Shayna said as long as Brady Kachuk is there ready to go I think the Flames are going to win
2: Shayna
1: I think the Flames win I don't I don't see them losing three straight A four straight I think that they can win at least one more game
2: okay do we like the coaching changes and strategy from Sutter to date
1: I like what he did with the second line. They were not getting much scoring. Here's below. a gold star. Yeah, he, <laughs> like that was that was something you know, was they have the high end scoring on that top line. If the top line gets shut down, what happens And Manji Coleman and Backlund have been they've been excellent the last couple games still even though the rest of the team is not, but I like I don't I don't know what the answer is, especially if Tan is not 100%. Like it's it's that's a tough one. I really don't know like what they should be doing differently or is it the coaching is it the players not executing like is it a little bit of everything
2: perhaps a potpourri if you will a potpourri (laughs) (laughs) all right y'all well we have three series that are continuing one game tonight um in colorado st louis but again the rest of the playoffs are still going on other than the battle florida which we know has sent the panthers to the golf course as we do every episode, we're gonna end with a quick fuck Mary Kill. And we got so many good ones um, yesterday and the day before. We had to let one linger over to today. Today's fuck Mary Kill comes from our friend on Twitter, NizTheMizFit. At Nick, excuse me, at NickTheMizFit. And Sarah, I'm gonna set you up to go first. Are you ready for this? Yes. Yeah. Retreading a little bit of our conversation from yesterday. Fuck Mary Kill. The Lucic hit on Smith, the Kadri hit on Binnington, or the Jeff Carter hit on Shesterkin? Go ahead.
0: I'm killing Jeff Carter hit on Shesterkin because you don't mess with your goalies. Um, I am marrying the Lucic hit because that's what we expect from him. That's what he's got to do, and sometimes it happens in the playoffs. And I'm fucking the...
2: Cadry on Bennington.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, well, there's goalies again, but that's a little different. <laughs> that goalie has big loser mentality, as Shayna would say. Um, <laughs> and that's not okay. I mean, uh, I don't really like fuck Mary killing hits just because it's like I hate talking about hits in general because everyone is looking at a different thing, apparently, when we're all look, evaluating these things. But, um,. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, can I kill, I can praying mantis this, where I <laughs> fuck it, then kill it. So yeah. I'll do that with Padre. Um, I think Binnington isn't out for the whole playoffs if they make it to the next round, so that's good Correct. at least.
2: <laughs> Shayna. <laughs>
1: okay, I'm going to kill the Carter and Schuster can hit because, like, there was nothing there. There was no, you know, I think it was, like, over-dramatized, like, Do I think Carter could have avoided that? Yes. Do I think Chesterkin took the long way around? Yes. So, that was whatever. I will fuck the Kadri-Binnington hit because there's a lot of good and bad. So, the good is... Okay, I'm not saying it's good someone got hurt, but I think it's very funny the storylines from Binnington's perspective with the big loser energy, the overall saltiness, the water bottle, the everything. Like, I look at that and I'm just like... That's the drama I feel like we need in this series. Every time that, you know, Kadri scores, they flash up to Bennington. They didn't have to the hat trick, and I was disappointed. And that's the big loser energy. I I feed off it because I don't like his game, and I don't like his – I don't like him. I'm just going to say it. I don't like his personality. (laughs) I don't fucking like him. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'll say it. I don't fucking like Jordan Bennington. He has given me no reason to. I don't like his game. I don't like his contract. I don't like his personality. I don't like his former tweets. There is nothing to like about him. I'm sorry, Jordan Bennington, but I'm really fucking not. Um, but I don't, I I cannot commit to that because I hate everything that's happened with Kadri off the ice because people are absolutely terrible and cannot understand that he did not mean to do it and I wish it was another player that this was involved in because the whole storyline would be different. And I think that he has dealt with so much shit and now everyone's like, look at his adversity he's going through. Like, no, no, it's wrong. So, well, that's, you know, one time that's it, throw it away. Um, and then I will marry... The Mike Smith hit, because first of all, Mike Smith is out of his crease, which is just glorious to see. And second of all, the quote from Lucic after where he was like, if I was aiming for him, I would have killed him. Because I even saw it. I'm like, he definitely looked like he pulled up. I get he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. But he could have crushed him if he wanted to. And he chose not to. And the fact that he just fucking plainly said it after, I'll marry
0: that. I love it. Oh, I thought we were talking about a skate. These were all goalies. Okay. I (laughs) probably look (laughs) like fuck Mary kills before we do them. Um... (laughs) I had not seen that hit, to be honest with you guys. I'm caught up in traveling to and from New York City, so I missed that one.
2: It's all good. I think that Shayna shared a lot of thoughts for all of us. (laughs) And and unfortunately, my opinions actually don't differ enough. Um, I also would kill the Carter hit on Shesterkin, plus like it's Jeff Carter. I mean, come on, like moving on. um literally i i i do i like sarah i like your logic that lucic being lucic is something we should marry and again the quote and the smile and the like you need a little bit of that in this series um, with his hit on and again it's mike smith it's just too freaking funny um and then cadre hit on binnington we're gonna fuck that because it's just a mess and i don't want it to be around anymore so it's one night stand one and done we're over it we're done all right Sarah, Shayna, that takes us through last night's game activity. Again, we have Colorado and St. Louis on tap for tonight. Is there anything else that I've missed?
1: No. I think we've got it. <laughs> you very
2: organized. You're not going to catch it many times that we're like, actually, well, actually. <laughs> or actually, you take my, my copy before I even say it like you did last time because you're just that good oh, oh shana just... share your review of the drinkware there's more drinkware to review
1: oh yeah uh, yesterday there was a package delivered here and it was uh to my boyfriend so i didn't touch it and he just like opens it up he's like i bought a two honey men glass and i'm like you could have just ordered a sample and done it for half the price like <laughs> it's to me but you didn't and he was just like well i bought it for you oh and i was just like did you and he was like well i bought it so we can both use it and it's very nice. Uh, it's very bright. I, I like it a lot. I did not drink out of it last night because I only had coffee because I was very tired and I fell asleep during the intermission last night. I was so tired. Um, so I will use it tonight and take a picture of it. It's very nice. So now I have all three drinkwares in my possession at the moment um, because I did not go to the post office yesterday. I, the, the water bottle I have not taken out of the box because once I figured out what happened, I stopped. The wine tumbler is very nice, and I like how the silver and the <laughs> teal and purple pop. And the, the pint glass, so nice. You can drink coffee, you can iced coffee, you can drink water, you can drink beer. Enjoy it.
0: My three beverages of choice. I feel like we and just walked through, through an Ikea review. And I the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, friends well again if you are interested in too many men merch uh, you can find the links to all of that both on our twitter bio and on our website our website is too many men pod.com. our twitter handle is at two underscore much underscore man we remain proud and enthusiastic members of the Lebatard and friends network we're so happy to be part of that thank you all for listening thank you for joining us don't be racist fight against unnecessary gun violence and until we talk again take care of one another
0: love you
1: bye now that we have you miming to us you were back yeah. <laughs>